This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Everybody, happy uh, back into trousers day because the sun's gone in. And welcome to the news agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's political correspondent, Aletha Adu. Good morning, Aletha. Morning, Susie. Now, this is the People's Paper Review, so get into the comments. Ask us your questions, we'll do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast will just have to tell your boss you're spending the next three weeks in checkers instead. So what have we got today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on a plea from boxer Tyson Fury on knife crime after his cousin was stabbed to death in Manchester. And the boxer says things are getting too violent. You know you're in real trouble. But inside on page two is a story that might have a massive impact on all our Christmases and also might not, uh, which is an eight day strike that's just started at Felixstowe Port in Essex. Almost 2,000 crane drivers, machine operators and stevedores have walked out after bouting for strike action when they got a 7% pay offer, which their union Unite says is, of course, well below inflation. So it amounts to a pay cut. Now, Aletha, people who work at the ports don't get quite as much attention as train drivers. Sometimes not everyone knows what they do. But this could lead to some real shortages in the long term is the, is the fear that's on page two there. Yes, it's a fear. I mean, we've had, I've heard from a number of government sources essentially saying, well, trying to play down the, the fears of shortages. They're saying things will be on hand. The fact that it's only an eight day strike, they're claiming that these ports schedule their shipments, you know, weeks in advance. So as long as it doesn't go beyond eight days, then things should be largely fine. Um, what's been quite interesting is hearing from the port spokesman. Naturally, he is criticizing Unite, who's leading the strikes claiming to use these workers as pawns in their larger game of strike action. I found that quite interesting, hearing somebody yeah. saying that strikes could be used as, you know, games. It's essentially, you know, claiming that workers take uh, joy in going out on strike and losing pay, which is something that a lot of workers don't take lightly at all. Um, I've been hearing that some of these workers might be get getting as little as £300 a week, you know, because of these strikes. And that's all because they just want to be paid fairly, Susie, as we know. Inflation yeah. is going to be skyrocketing in the next few months. And things I think it says to... a lot that the, the parent companies consider this a game, whereas the workers on the ground consider it food on the table. Exactly. So that's, 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 that's literally the problem, isn't it? We're all mm. down to. Yeah, and they have the audacity to come out on these media rounds and say such things as though it's an awful thing to say. Um, but yes, I mean, we also must note that, you know, these Felixstowe port workers are not people that go out on strike very often, I believe, the last time mm -hmm. they went on strikes about 30 years ago. So again, adding to the uh, idea that it's not something that they've taken lightly, it's not something that they do often, they are really trying to fight for pay that matches inflation at the moment. Um, you know, it's important for us to know what the next Prime Minister could do. They come in, obviously Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss are fighting for the queues to number 10. 
both of them claim that they will be, you know, taking strong action on these strikes, uh, essentially trying to make it very difficult for unions to go out and strike and, you know, demand better pay. Um, but, you know, we've got a few weeks before the end of that leadership race. Um, we don't have a prime minister that's currently working. Apparently, he's still in number 10. He's back from his holiday. He's going to isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, in the meantime, um, and even if, you know, even when the next prime minister uh, comes into number 10 on September 5th, you know, there will be some time before things uh, actually take action and things make a difference. So um, it will be interesting to see whether the port decides to budge in light of these eight day strikes or mm. not. Really. Yeah, well, it's all depends what they feel they can lose in a game, doesn't it? Now, Heather mm. says they're. Uh, solidarity with the strike workers, the those taking the strike. Uh, get into the comments, ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Uh, Hazel, I think it was, her comment was just there that said, um, you know, they're not going to be a problem because they're not going to have any money to spend at Christmas. So the fact that the dock workers at the country's busiest port, uh, which starts, basically, they start stacking up now for uh, Halloween and Black Friday and eventually Christmas, of course. It takes months for the goods to get to your shelves. So all summer and then autumn is like a 12-week sort of lead time where they get all this stuff into the shelves and the shops for you. Um, and that's going to be the problem. But as, as Hazel says there, if no one's got any money, no one needs to go shopping, do they? But, of yeah. course, empty shelves wouldn't be a good look for the next prime minister, whoever benighted fool that might be. Now, the Felixstowe Dock and Railway Company, for it is they, uh, says this is very disappointing. But Unite says that the parent company for the, the port business paid out £99 million in dividends last year and can easily afford to pay its staff a bit more. Now, Lither, it's starting to look like this is a bit of a theme. You know, people aren't striking, whether it's, oh, I don't know, barristers or, or train drivers or anything else. You name it, really. But they're not striking just because of the cost of living and inflation, but because the private companies that are involved in all those industries for years have been chiseling the profits out. I don't know quite how it works with barristers because they're all freelancers, but you know what I mean? Mm, there's yeah. someone at the top, the government in their case, Ministry of Justice, but there's someone at the top who has been chiseling the profits out to shareholders for years. And it's built up a load of this them and us resentment, which I don't remember... 20 years ago, for example, 10 years ago even. But in the last sort of 10 years, there's been a bigger sort of separation, I think, of the workers and the management in lots and lots of places. And there's this them and us feeling that's really crept in. So union workers see no reason not to punish the bosses. In fact, they quite like the opportunity to do so. And the mm. bosses are used to not having to really worry about the workers and just treat them as, you know, ants. It doesn't It's not a big thing. But this cost of living crisis means that people can't afford to, to live like that anymore. They have to take some kind of action. They can't ignore the disparities in pay. And that's coming up against this clash of attitudes that we seem to have got now. Water companies, everybody, take the profits, mm. out, profits out. It doesn't matter. It does matter at the other end, doesn't it? And when, when it matters like this to so many people, the economic impact of this could be enormous. Exactly. And I think it's also interesting to sort of go back a few months, Susie, back to spring, probably around uh, the spring budget time, when the Bank of England uh, governor, Andrew Bailey, was telling people not to ask for pay rises. At that time, inflation was around, what, 7%? Obviously, as we said, you know, 
Oh, the heady days of 7%. <laughs> I remember that. God, it was such, such a good day then. <laughs> we hadn't heard any such warnings of an energy price cap hitting around £6,000, which is what we've heard over the weekend. This is, you know, a position we will all be in this time next year. Um, but I think it's quite interesting because uh, the TUC General Secretary, Francis O'Grady, uh, was making the point this morning that we've got FTSE 100 buses making 109 times more a year than the average full-time British worker. And we've heard from the likes of Andrew Bailey telling people not to ask for a pay rise. This is 2022 Britain. Like, How are things so strikingly different? Why is there such a large gap between pay? Like, as you, as you mentioned, it doesn't seem right. If we sort of cut their salaries, and if, I mean, as some people have suggested, if they were to cut salaries, there would be enough money to go around to increase people's pay. But mm -hmm. the pay disparity is just too great at the moment. Yeah. Somehow these FTSE 100 bosses, these fat cats, as some people call them, have you know seen their, their pay rises increase dramatically since the COVID pandemic. But other people, business owners, are struggling with these uh, energy bills already starting to creep up. It's just... It's beyond striking, really. Susie. It is really, yeah. And um, if anybody wants to know about disparities in pay, Google toll puddle martyrs, or which you probably haven't heard about, the swing riots, okay, which swept southern England in the, I think it was 1820s, 1830s, as when farm workers basically were starving to death after a series of massive crop failures and some weird freak weather conditions. Oh, sound familiar, anybody? Uh, and ended up rioting about it and uh, I think some of my ancestors were probably involved so that's how I know about it but the swing riots everybody that's the kind of territory that we're going to be in very soon and speaking of um the the disparities in pay and what and striking and what people can and can't do about it Sheila here says will the workers rights and health and safety be threatened when Felixstowe becomes a free port one of the Tories brilliant plans of course to make the most of Brexit is to reduce uh, the ability to collect taxes huh, on things when they come through our ports. And one of the reasons, Aletha, that they're not perhaps the bosses at, at Felixstowe do think this is a bit of a game and they're not too bothered about it, is that there's an awful lot of agency workers at Felixstowe already, aren't they? People who don't have any rights and who aren't in a union. Exactly. And they'll obviously jump at the chance to get some work, uh, what some consistent work for more than a week that sounds, you know, right, good for them. Also, at the expense of these workers who have been working there for many, many years, they're, they're at the, you know, they could be losing their jobs because of taking strike action. And you know, we go back into the argument as to how difficult it's been for them to grapple with such a decision to go on strike action in the first place. Yeah. Now, June says, morning, June. Uh, it's all man-made. The pandemic has been planned for 50 years. The new world order. By 2030, we will own nothing. Uh, June, by 2023, most of us aren't going to own very much. We'll be living out of a bin. Um, I'm not sure that we can really argue that uh, anything in the energy crisis is man-made, although Vladimir Putin's got a lot to do with it. I don't think he planned the pandemic. Uh, I think you're tying an awful lot of stuff together there in your tiny padded cell. So um, thanks for taking part, but... I don't think you've added much to the national debate. Tina says, how are we going to cope if by April we're looking at two months pay just for energy each month? I'm already struggling. I'm being told I'll have to pay £271. Now, Tina, when you're being told you'll have to pay this, I assume 
this is because your direct debit's been put up to that much. When your direct debit goes up, that is optional. You do not have to pay it. Do what I did last week and phone them up and say, hang on, my energy is this much per month at the moment. When the price cap goes up, blah, blah, it should go up to this much. Because what's happening is they're putting up the direct debit by more than the price cap. So my mm-hmm. direct debit of 70 quid um, was went up to 126. And that was 143% increase, Tina. And you do not have to pay that. So I phoned them up and I said, look, according to my online account, my annual, my average monthly usage, including the winter times, is £87. So fine, I'll pay more, but I want to pay £87 direct debit, please. And they went, OK, and had to move it down. They have to if you phone up. Do not take your direct debit letter as gospel. It is not you can go and alter it. Um, and I hope that's I hope that's right. And that's what's happening in your case. You do not have to pay more than you are using. They're setting up now for you to try and hit, you know, to have zero at the end of the year or something and to not be in debit in your account. You can figure this out. It can be fine. Um, now, I do apparently in the comments, someone is saying that Mick Lynch is a Freemason on a mission to collapse business. Uh, Mick Lynch is the second coming of Jesus. Uh, and he's here to save us all. So uh, if people would just listen, maybe, maybe uh, sort of common sense that he's talking about, then maybe we'll all get a bit further. Who knows? Now, unfortunately, Aletha's signal has gone. Oh, she's back again. <laughs> Hello. Okay. I think I was going to have to just burble for a bit. Here we go. Right. So get into the comments. Ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Um, now, shifting on then, I mean, the what they're talking about here is they're talking about Halloween, Black Friday, Christmas, potentially some empty shelves. The Tories will literally have killed Santa, but the point won't happen because of the agency workers. Um, and elsewhere there on page two, there's some stuff talking about the council tax rebate that Rishi Sunak brought in. A million people haven't applied for. If you're in a banned A to D property, apply for 150 quid off your council tax. Contact the council. They'll give it off you. Um, is anything... Coming up very briefly, Aletha, for Rishi and Liz, in which they're actually going to tell us how they're going to resolve these disputes, provide more help for people, because you're going to get a lot more strikes. You're going to get a lot of economic impact at a lot of businesses and a lot of industries with people striking if they don't do this. It's going to damage the economy, which is what they worry about more than people, isn't it? So what are they going to do? Yeah, I really wish I could come with some good news and some real insights in response to that question Susie but unfortunately what are they going to do I don't think you know they really know and we've heard from Liz Truss who is the most likely to win this contest you know a a number of polls have said that she's got a huge lead ahead of Rishi Sunak her answer to most of this is to well let's say to the energy bills crisis is to cut taxes now even her rival Rishi Sunak who hasn't done the most to help people across the UK, even when he was Chancellor, you know, six months ago, even he's saying that her plans are going to put the poorest Brits at risk of real destitution. And he's saying the party will be facing real moral failure, like in going with those tax cuts, those tax cuts. Um, You know, Liz is essentially saying that giving people handouts, help, she calls them handouts, is something along the lines of Gordon Brown style economics. So that's her position at the moment. And she's saying she's not going Gordon to. Gordon Brown out. was one of our most successful chancellors in living history. 
Exactly, and only just, I think it was last week or the week before, he was coming out making a real case for freezing the energy price cap and just really trying to get politicians, even the likes of Keir Starmer, to really start speaking and calling us out and really asking the government to put their hands in their pockets and come up with something. So mm. that's Gordon Brown, uh, even though he hasn't been in power for years. Whose bailouts in the economic crisis cost us less than 10 years of austerity under the Tories. Anyway, moving on to another story. <laughs> Getting into your comments, everybody. Ask us your questions. Uh, speaking of money, on page four, there's a story that is taking us right back to the 1970s. Now, the national grid, which runs the system, is preparing to roll out a scheme whereby those with a smart meter tracking their energy use at home could get money off or even some cash back if you're using your power off peak times overnight. Now, that might sound just dandy if you have a time on your washing machine and fancy getting paid to run it at two o'clock in the morning. But in 1978, the energy companies introduced something called Economy 7 because of blackouts and energy crisis that we had in the 70s. And which was, guess what? Economy 7 was a cheaper rate for using off-peak electric overnight. It was perhaps 20% less than your day rate. So lots of people were getting up in the middle of the night to put on their washing machine or whatever. Uh, lots of houses had an Economy 7 meter installed. There was one in this house when I moved in. And guess what, Aletha? In April this year, the Economy 7 rate became completely uneconomic because it actually wasn't cheaper than just having a flat rate all day because the standing charges were different. So finally, 44 years after it's been introduced, my Economy 7 meter is completely without purpose whatsoever um, because they've made it uneconomic. So they're just bringing back this old system, really, for smart meters. But, um, you know, they're talking about blackouts and the winter of discontent in the 1970s all over again. But lots of people don't have smart meters because they don't necessarily work quite as well as they should be doing. Mm. Um, so is this really a money saving scheme for our benefit or is it just a way of getting us all signed up to these things which nobody really wants and don't work very well? Yeah, I think the latter, it's just a way of them to rack up some stats. So come, you know, around the next general election, they'll have some figures to show that, oh, yes, you know, we've done X, Y and Z and millions of people have signed up. But I think what's quite interesting to note, Susie, is that how many households, how many people are living in uh, flats, apartments, buildings, where they have uh, space between their kitchen and their bedroom and, you know, let's say a living area space. Not everyone lives in, you know, two-storey buildings where if they switch the washing machine on and it's going at a crazy spin rate, they're not going to be woken up in the middle of the night. Some people struggle to, <laughs> to have yeah. it on during the day. Um, and it's just one of these schemes where they, these people are really just out of touch. They haven't really spoken to anyone that's living in a range of you know, living conditions. I know many people I know wouldn't be able to put their washing machines on in the middle of the night just because... No, cheaper energy, subsidised <laughs> solar panels. So there's one on every roof in the country and everyone gets some free electric for some of the year. That would be handy. Because exactly, we can afford those, yeah. Just, just throwing it out there, it would create a load of jobs as well. Anyway. Uh, what a positive, happy news agenda we're having this morning. Um, get into the comments, everybody. Uh, so let us know what you think. What 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 do you think about um, the old Economy 7 metres from 1978? Uh, do you think we're going back to the 1970s? Do you think a cheaper rate on smart meters is a good idea? Or are they just trying to get wangle your wick, have a smart meter, which the energy companies are trying to do? Um, let us know. But first off, we have found some good news in the world. There is some. 
and wait for it. Ah, oh, it's, it's a doozy. Here it is. Now, if there's one thing we've all heard a lot of in the past few years, it's how expensive house prices are and how no one can afford to buy a home when everyone's living with their mum. Well, there is one upside to looming economic catastrophe. And according to one property firm, it's an average £75,000 cut in house prices by people who are desperate to sell. Sellers are taking 20% off, Aletha, from an average of 380000 to 305000 So is this proof that... If you've got 300 grand, there's always a way to profit from disaster. I mean, this is where I might rain on your parade, Susie, and say I'm not sure if this is entirely good. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sign of a recession coming around the corner. I'm trying to find one positive. I know, one. I know. It's been really you've hard. You've got a bit of deposit saved up and you're living with your mum. Now's the time to get an offer in. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Agreed on that. But just largely for most people, I think that's only going to, you know, hit a dent in what they can afford in terms of trying to get onto the, onto the property market. Because even rent at the moment is just pretty crazy at the moment. You know, we're seeing one bedroom flats. I saw a story uh, yesterday, I think it was in uh, the Mail on Sunday. It's quite interesting where there's a one bedroom flat in Earl's Court. And uh, it's literally just, Susie, it's like, half a studio flat size let's say they're claiming it's a one bed flat you've got the like kitchenette space on top of a bed with a microwave that's on top of the sort of bed frame and just a little wardrobe on the side and that oh let me guess 2000 a month yeah <laughs> it's just like this is the sort of things that who wants know, to live in else court anyway it's yeah. no don't do it uh, now tracy blanchard says i was paying 51 pounds my energy now i'm paying 123 223 do i have to pay that too then if you are using 123 pounds worth of energy electric whatever that bill is for tracy then yes that's what you need to pay if that is your direct debit because they are estimating your usage ahead of time and they're trying to get you to a certain point what they do is they try to get you to zero on your bills so you're not in debit and you're not in credit at the end of your, your own 12-month anniversary with that energy company. And then what they are also not doing on any of these estimates, I found out when I spoke to my energy company, is they are not including the £400 rebate, which Rishi Sunak is giving us all in October, starting in October, um, in their calculations. So they are ramping up your prices. They're not including the money off you are owed and they're taking it now while they can and they're going to hold on to it because they're hedging and they're having to buy energy. So they can buy energy at rates now because they think when they buy it later on, it'll be more expensive. So if, you, if you've got the money, it may, it may benefit you to sort of get ahead, if you like, and start paying a bit extra now. But you're basically lending cash to the energy company. You don't have to pay your direct debit. You can negotiate that with them. You can use your predicted usage with them and you do not have to pay. Uh, you only have to pay for what you use. Now, Graham says, didn't MPs get a pay rise, which was more than inflation rate at the time? It was 3%, I think. Yeah, it wasn't more than inflation. Yeah, more than inflation yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, they would argue they're getting less of a pay rise than the dock workers at Felix Day that were offered 7%. So I think oh, no one's mentioning it, really. It's a bit sticky. Now, Harpal says, do you think universal credit will raise? Aletha. 
that would be one sensible thing to do, that old 20 quid. Yeah, I think even at one point during his uh, leadership campaign, Rishi Sunak suggested that he may, uh, you know, bring back the universal credit uh, £20 a month scheme, but it wasn't actually confirmed. Um, I think next year, universal credit is set to raise again, as it does every single year, but it's not going to increase by anything substantial that will help people significantly during this really difficult time, unfortunately. No, and normal pensions, probably. So we're all stuck. Start foraging blackberries now, if you have a freezer. <laughs> them all winter long. Um, now, Mavis yeah. says, if people change from using uh, energy at peak hours, won't it change the peak hours of use to just another time? Well, no, because not everybody puts their washing machine on at precisely 2 a.m., Mavis, yeah. although they do all turn their computers on at 9 a.m. And the thing with Economy 7 was that it was supposed to be 60-40 split, roughly, on average. So you could – that's when people were working in the office, all right? So 60% of their energy would be – in the evenings and in the mornings, which is peak times, but they could try and get a 40% overnight. Because so many of us are working from home, and I work from home and have done for years, my energy use is during the day. And what I can put on at night, even as a washing machine, the dishwasher, or anything else, it's just not enough. It was like 5 10% of my mm. total usage. So that's how it became uneconomic. And people working from home, you're going to have the similar problems, I would suspect. Uh, Andrew Thomas says smart meters are evil. I do think that. And also, if, you, if you're not, I think they use the internet or uh, the mobile network to communicate with the energy company. And if you're not in a very good area for a signal, you're not going to get much dandy out of it. It's not a great idea. So uh, they have their places, but not necessarily right here in this. It would just be nice if the economy seven metres, millions of us have right now, actually were economic. Just a thought. Um, anyway, thank you for your comments, everybody. Now, one thing before we go, I want to show you uh, on page 12 of the Daily Mirror today, there is a voucher, right? If you're saving up £300,000 for a house, if you are worrying about your energy bills, there is a voucher for a free pot of tea and a slice of cake at Morrison's. You can only get it if you go and buy a copy of the paper, but it is worth it. Uh, and maybe if you, you know, treat it pristinely and find a way to get your voucher back, you can use it twice. I didn't tell you that. Now, that uh, is good news, Susie. I, that's must say. Good, I know, <laughs> I was thinking about it, but I thought saving 75000 was more good news than having a free cup of tea. But... You can have a free cup of tea and slice of cake. Maybe it will help you save a bit of money towards something else. And if nothing else, you'll have a cup of tea and a slice of cake, won't you? Um, thank you, everyone, for taking part. Thank you, Aletha, for joining us. Uh, and we will see you all again. What is it, Monday? We'll see you all again on Wednesday for another hopefully less depressing edition of the News Agenda. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.